Hello, Oakland A's fans, and welcome back to another episode of Athletics Baseball Podcast with your host, Taylor, where we talk about the A's. And today is, for me, opening day. For you, probably the day after opening day. A day where the A's do not play Friday. The reason that I timed this episode the way that I did is because, as opposed to releasing like I normally would on Thursday... Well, Thursday, the only thing that I would have to talk about was Monday's spring training game, and I guess I could have done some breaking news on the Pache situation. But to me, it just seemed more timely to sort of roll it all into an episode after opening day, where we can actually talk about opening day. So that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to talk about a little bit of the Monday spring training game, real, real quick. And I'm going to talk quite a bit about the opening day game today for me, yesterday for you, Thursday's opening game against the Angels. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about the Pache situation, a little bit of controversy around that, the way that the A's decided to handle the roster situation there, as well as Pache in particular. And I also, hopefully I can remember to do this, I have a little bit to say about the Howard Terminal situation. little quick update on that that has kind of been passed over by a lot of media. I know it's new, and maybe there will be some more articles in the next couple of days talking about this, but there's some, some updates for you there. So before I get into any of that, I would just like to quickly remind you all that I would greatly appreciate a follow wherever you listen to podcasts, if you haven't done so already, a review or a rating, if you haven't done it yet, ratings real quick, you know, just four star, five star, what, what, however you feel, you know, um, and also check out the associated social media accounts with the podcast. That would be athletics underscore pod for Twitter, athletics underscore baseball underscore podcast for Instagram, or you can always reach us with questions, comments, concerns, recommendations, whatever, on the email athleticsbaseballpodcast at gmail.com. And as always, don't forget to just send an email over to the Oakland mayor and continue to let her know how important it is for you and all A's fans for the A's to stay in Oakland. Be polite, be nice. Her email is officeofthemayor at oaklandca.gov. Just send a brief little email, a couple lines over to her. Real quick and real easy. All right, let's start with the exciting Monday spring training game, which was held in San Francisco at Oracle Park, formerly Oracle Park. I don't know what its name is anymore. Uh, I think they changed it. And it was a great game for the A's. We won 12-6. to Sergio Romo of A's fame <laughs> was given a retirement send-off that game. And it was a fantastic game. The A's were 
just dealing for most of it. Um, the only unfortunate spot was just Trevor May, unfortunately, having a rough outing, uh, walking four in a row, and then, you know, it just, he got swapped out, and Rico Garcia, who came in, let in a hit, so Trevor May was held accountable for four runs, which it was on one hand a little bit of a rough outing, and on another hand a little bit of an unfortunate situation. Caprellian acquitted himself well, 5.1 innings, just two runs, six strikeouts, and all the rest of the pitching would be Jack, Zach Jackson. All the rest of the pitching would be Zach Jackson, Trevor May, Rico Garcia, Domingo Acevedo, and Calvin Coker. And the rest of that, with the exception of Trevor May's little bit of a rough outing and bad luck, uh, went very well. So the A's won that game 12-6. to A lot of hits. Aguilar with a home run, Loriano with a home run, Ruiz with a home run, and Seth Brown with a home run, uh, Langoliers with a triple, Jace Peterson with a double, and other hits besides, you know, Aguilar got a single, uh, Tony Kemp two singles, uh, Langoliers also got a single there, and Noda had three singles, Peterson also added a single, Carlos Perez with a single, and Asturi Ruiz as well. So all in all, fantastic game. Two controversies that I that I just have to mention, and this is really the so there there are three reasons that I'm even talking about this game because I know opening day, and that's what we all want to hear about. But first, the first reason is really it was just a fantastic game. The energy was great. The A's team took the lead and held it the whole game and just dominated. The second reason is, oh, also, actually, along with the first reason, A's fans were loud and proud in that game. Definitely showed up, even though it was, you know, an away game. But we were out there and cheering and stayed the whole way through, you know, which that's the one thing about A's fans is A's fans stay. Not a lot of other teams' fans stay. A's fans are hardcore, and I love it. Reason two that I'm talking about this game, the ball boy or as some people are aptly calling it, or maybe maybe it's the real name. I, I think it's the real name, actually. The Bald Dude, like middle-aged dude for San Francisco, f- attempted to and successfully did field a fly-foul ball that was well within the playability area, and, you know... <laughs> The A's had someone, we ran over and tried to field it and were in time and had the glove underneath the glove of the ball dude who caught the ball and it resulted in a no-play foul ball where it was definitely a catch it was definitely an out, and it didn't impact the game at all in the in the grand scheme, but my big issue with it is that it just sets the precedent going forward of, in big moments like that, get your associated crew into the game interfering with 
the players trying to make plays on balls in play. Horrible, horrible look for MLB. And I can't believe they don't have a rule about that, that uh, ball people, bat people, um, the crew for the teams who are associated, who are helping pitchers warm up or helping catchers warm up and, and things like that, that might be in foul territory, that there's no rule at all that they're not allowed to interfere with plays. I think that there's something wrong there. So that was controversy number one. Controversy number two was Sergio Romo, beloved by A's fans, A's legend, A's great Sergio Romo, who we all love and who has one of the best reliever walkouts in baseball over the last decade or so, comes out for his retirement performance, takes the mound, takes a second to appreciate the universal love given to him from Giants and A's fans in the stadium, the standing ovation, the huge cheers that were apparent even on television, the love that this guy was getting, and then taking that little moment right before his retirement caused the ump to come out and give him two balls for delay of game. So he started his first at-bat, his first batter faced with a 2-0 and count <laughs> on his spring training retirement outing when the fans were just cheering for him and he just wanted to enjoy it for a second. How bad of a look is that? How embarrassing for baseball. And just disgusting, really. Horrible, horrible. You got a player going on their retirement outing like that. Give him his love and let him take his time. Please. The fans want that. The the fans are there to enjoy that, in part. And then, uh, to go along with this controversy, he then... Partially, I would assume, because of the rough treatment at the hands of the umpires and and the the balls that he was given right off the bat like that. He walked a couple guys. He had a little bit of a rough start. And I think he let in one run. And then the Giants pitching coach came, comes out and tells him that he's done. And he very clearly did not want to be done from what it seemed, what was apparent to me. He really did not want to be done. And the the Giants pitching coach just tells him, like, no, you're done, get off, leave. And then takes the ball away from him. Like, he couldn't even keep the ball as, like, a souvenir of his retirement day. And I'm sorry, but he should have just been able to, like, call his own shots there, his retirement outing. You know, if he gives a wave to the dugout, then go out and get him. You know, if he wants to go another couple of batters, then he has earned that right. Are you kidding me? You're going to go out there and take him out when he's not done? When he doesn't want to be done? That's just, that's horrible to me. I... I can't believe that they would do that. 
I mean, I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe they had some prearranged agreement, but I really didn't like to see that or the umpire give him two balls like that. It was it was really unfortunate, and I like Sergio Romo. So that was basically your Monday recap. <laughs> Let's move on to... We'll do the Howard Terminal situation and then the Pache situation before we get into the game. Real quick. So, essentially, there was a lawsuit that about, I want to say maybe two months ago, I'm just going to give this to you by memory so that it goes a little quick. A couple months ago, I think it was pushed by the organization of the port and some truckers and some stuff that they basically are just against the A's getting to use that area and develop it because they want it to be undeveloped so that they can continue to use it in the ways that they have been, I think, just for, like, parking trucks and stuff like that. And it, it basically the lawsuit, I think, was just saying that it's, too toxic of an area to use or something like that, which the whole point of this building, this ballpark, part of it is that it's going to clean up the area and make it not toxic anymore. And then essentially there were 90 days that it within 90 days, it had to be completed. The judge put a time limit on, on this situation and I believe before the 90 days were up, the court decided in full to just disregard this whole lawsuit and give the A's and the city of Oakland a big win on being able to continue moving forward with the Howard Terminal situation. This wasn't necessarily an unexpected win. I expected this. I thought it was a stupid lawsuit from the very beginning and ridiculous just on its face. But it did have to be won. <laughs> if it wasn't won, if it or if, on the flip side, if it was lost, then that would be a, a maybe a nail in the coffin for Howard Terminal Ballpark getting built. And the fact that it's won doesn't mean that it's going to happen, but it does mean that it's not going to not happen, which is a big deal. The fact that it can continue moving forward. So it's not the win that you would hope or dream of that, like, it's happening, but it's not not happening. And that is significant. One more, and I think final, probably final lawsuit is cleared off the table, and now the only thing, I think, holding it back is negotiations between the team and the city for who's going to pay for the infrastructure and how much affordable housing would be included with the housing that the A's would build on site. I believe those are the only two sticking issues at this point with the lawsuit settled. To talk a little bit about the Pache trade, the Pache situation, Pache was, uh, he didn't make the team, basically, after spring training. At the end of spring training, it was announced, and he has an amazing glove, a fantastic 
probably gold glove, center fielder glove. And that's worth a lot on its own. It's worth a lot, a lot on its own because center field is a premium defensive position. But he can't really bat very well, at least in the past. And in spring training, what everyone, including myself, thought was if he comes out and shows it out in spring training, what he can do, then he would earn a spot because he's got no more options, which means either he has to make the team or be released. And he came into spring training looking great. I mean, strikeouts were way down, batting average way up, just, you know, looking much, much improved at the plate. And the obvious thought that came into everybody's head, mine included, was he's made the team. He's done enough. He's made the team for sure. So when it was announced that he didn't make the team, a lot of A's fans got very mad, and understandably, and I was frustrated as well. And then the thought is, we're losing him for nothing. And in reality, that's not what happened. What did happen was the A's announced it, and probably it meant that they had something already lined up to do with Pache instead of releasing him, because a gold glove center fielder is worth it to some teams just as a backup at least. And it was announced that the A's were trading him to the Phillies for a young minor league reliever, right-hander Billy Sullivan. And a lot of A's fans were mad about that too. Oh my God, more pitching, you know, what, what are you doing? This Like, we don't even know what we're getting. This is horrible. We're losing Pache. Mostly they were just mad that we're losing Pache. But the truth of the matter is that, yes, we're losing Pache. Yeah, I mean, that's the truth of the matter. But Billy Sullivan it seems to be a pretty good pitcher in the Phillies AA affiliate. He won last season the Pitcher of the Year Award for their AA affiliate. 77 strikeouts in 51 innings. And 36 walks, which is a little high, but his strikeout rate is really, really good. And his ERA was not fantastic, 4.59 over AA last season. But I actually saw an article that Towards the end of the season, he had a month where he had a sub-1 ERA for the whole month. And to me, that means that that's his ceiling. He did it for a whole month. He, he can do it. He just has to figure out how to do it consistently. A sub-1 ERA is obviously really, really fantastic. And the A's are probably looking at him as, can we improve him just a little bit so that he can be this big strikeout guy, late innings guy with a two to three ERA, which would be a fantastic reliever. And it also gives us a little bit of something extra for, you know, it gives us something at all for Pache and something extra in the Olsen trade that people are continuously critical of because they're mad that we lost Matt Olson, which is understandable. And all we've really seen are Pache and Langoliers. And Langoliers is obviously great, and Pache did not 
work out, but people still have the feeling that maybe he could have worked out and that we gave up on him too soon. And if he ends up in the long term not working out and Billy Sullivan does work out, then it, this would be seen as a great trade. If in long term Pache becomes a gold glove center fielder who can hit, then the A's end up looking kind of stupid. So there's two distinct sides of the coin here. And like with all trades, we kind of just have to wait to see how it plays out as far as that goes. But suffice it to say, I am sad to see Christian Pache go, but I am optimistic and interested in seeing what Billy Sullivan has and seeing how he's going to perform for the A's. He's a young guy. He He's, yeah, he's a reliever, but you can never have too much pitching. And to further sort of alleviate anyone who's listening who may have concerns over the release of the trade of Pache here, the losing of Pache, I would like to move on to opening day game with the big, big, big win, 2-1 to one against the Angels with Otani starting pitching for the Angels on this opening day. Really, I can't understate how big this is. I mean, people were really critical of Muller getting getting the nod to get the opening day start here. And I have to say that I was a big defender of this move for two reasons. One, Fuji is getting his own sort of system catered to him a little bit, which involves him pitching every Saturday. So going forward through the season, get excited for Fuji Saturdays, where you get to see Fuji pitch every Saturday, and hopefully it is really fun. And there's a lot that goes into that, and I I won't really talk about that right now, but basically he, coming from Japan, it's a schedule that works better for him to pitch just once a week on the same day every week like that. So that's what he's going to be doing, and that obviously means that he's not really ready to pitch on Thursday and maintain his schedule while doing that. Blackburn probably would have been given that start, but he's out with a fingernail avulsion. Basically, his fingernail tore off of his finger, which sucks, and hopefully he's back and feeling good really soon. And he probably would have gotten that nod, but when he wasn't, it was Basically, who else is going to fill in? Caprellian is still kind of healing up. You know, I mean, I think he's healthy, but they, they're trying to give him a little bit of rest and sort of ease him into things, I think. So, it's not Fuji, it's not Blackburn, it's not Caprellian, which means you've basically got Muller, Waldachuk, or maybe Aller, maybe Sears, maybe... Martinez, who ended up making the team, I didn't really think that he was actually going to, but it's interesting that he did. Maybe a bullpen day. And they ended up going with Muller, who people were critical of for several reasons, one of them being that he had a bad day on his last spring training outing. But spring training is just spring training, and it's not really indicative of players' performances over the regular season. 
you could have guys in spring training trying to focus on a particular thing, like really try and work to dial in your curveball. Or I want you to try and throw pitches on the edge of the zone and maybe some of them end up being balls and and you walk a bunch of guys, but that's fine. You know, you, you might end up working on something that means that you don't have a great outing numbers-wise, but maybe you achieve what you're set out to do on that day, and people have the opinion that it didn't go well when it actually did. So, people were critical of, of Mueller getting that start. In contrast, he came out, he was fantastic, he went five full innings and pitched a little bit into the sixth and basically <laughs> one walk, four hits, let up one earned run with three strikeouts. That is a fantastic line. And if someone said, would you like to start every single game for the entire season with your starting pitcher going five full innings with one earned run? then you would take it without a question, without even a second of hesitation. Five innings, one run, every single time. He had a fantastic outing. And not only that, but the bullpen was great. And I've been talking about this bullpen for a while, and some of the big names that I've been talking about got to, got to show out a little bit today. That's Zach Jackson. Uh, scoreless inning with one walk and one strikeout. Domingo Acevedo, scoreless inning, no walks, no hits, two strikeouts. Trevor May, scoreless inning. He got into a little bit of trouble, uh, a hit and a walk, and one strikeout, but got out of it scoreless. And then Danny Jimenez came in, and he walked one and then struck one out and got the save and just a fantastic fantastically pitched game from top to bottom that said i would i would be remiss if i did not say otani also pitched a fantastic game and it was a hard fought win from the a's and a hard fought loss from the angels they didn't give anything up easily here i mean otani went six full innings Gave up three walks, two hits, and ten strikeouts, not giving up any runs. I mean, he did what he could, especially considering he's coming into it after the World Baseball Classic, maybe uh, not stretched out in the same way as some of the other guys, and he, I think he went like 90 pitches, whereas Moeller only went maybe 70 or so, and obviously Otani went the extra inning and made it a little easier on the bullpen, which I will say I I think the Angels' bullpen is a little bit of a lower quality than the A's this season. We'll have to see how that pans out, but it definitely held true tonight. And then Herget and Tapera, they got into trouble, but they held strong-ish, and Loop was really the one who had a bit of a struggling outing, we kind of always knew, I think, we weren't going to get this win hitting off of Otani. We had to get past him and dig into the bullpen a little bit where I think they're a little bit weaker, and I mean definitely weaker than Otani, and sort of light that up, and we took advantage of our opportunities. But nothing was given by the Angels. I mean, 
Renfro, Hunter Renfro in right field. Jace Peterson hit a beauty of a hit that it had every single right to be a double. It was deserving of being a double. It was a double. (laughs) And Hunter Renfro could barely get there. And then when he got there, he was still kind of too far. He was, it was on the wrong side of his body. He was too far to really get to it. And so he sort of just sticks his glove out away from his body and catches it. Not even looking. He didn't look over his shoulder before he made that catch. Nothing. I mean, fantastic catch. Incredibly lucky catch. And that definitely saved run. I mean, we pretty sure we had people on base when that happened. And it's just, you know, the Angels did everything they could. And in the end, it was not enough. Because the A's, while only putting up two runs, they came in the right time of the game. The A's walked away with six hits and four walks in total. No home runs. The biggest hit was a a double from Seth Brown and a double from Tony Kemp. It all really happened in the eighth inning for the A's. The A's kept it 0-0 into the fourth inning. In the fifth inning, it was 1-0, and then we held it there until the eighth inning. So we were losing 1-0 until the eighth inning. And essentially, in the eighth inning, Asturi Ruiz got on base, no outs, nice hit. Tony Kemp comes out, hits a beautiful deep double off of the wall in uh, right center field, just bringing Ruiz with his really incredible speed first to home off of that hit. And it wasn't even really close. <laughs> Aledmus Diaz had had the go-ahead hit, dropping it into short left field right over the shortstop's head, essentially, uh, maybe 50 feet behind the shortstop, to bring Tony Kemp home. That was all the A's needed to get the lead and never give it up. And there were more hits that inning. There was a lot that happened that inning as well. But in the end, we, we made it happen. We made enough happen in that inning to give ourselves the opportunity to win. And... It's a huge game because this is the one game out of the three games against the Angels that people would have probably considered it least likely for the A's to win. So now this really increases the chances of winning this three-game series against the Angels, going two out of three, and it makes sweeping possible. And it's really nice to see that early dominating win. Not dominating in the sense of it it was a crush, but... Dominating in the sense that it was a really inspiring performance by the A's and, and really enthusiasm building. This really makes, I think, A's fans, it should, feel like this is real. This is a good team. There's a lot of possibilities here. And we just, you know, it's time. It's time to get excited. We just beat an Otani game, an Otani pitching Angels team. And (laughs) I'm not going to say, oh, this is it, we're going to be fantastic. But we certainly could be better than many think. 
And finally, I would be absolutely remiss if I did not mention the fact that opening day, the 30th, was Ryan Noda's birthday, and also his first major league game. He came in as a pinch runner in the ninth inning, eighth inning. Eighth or no, it was the eighth, yeah, because we didn't we didn't bat the ninth inning. So he came in in the ninth inning as a pinch runner and then played defensively first base in the ninth inning. So happy birthday, Ryan Noda, getting your first major league game on your birthday. Really cool. Happy for you. Excited to watch you this season. And it's really and I'm disappointed that we have to wait until Saturday to watch the next A's game because that was really exciting, and one of the better games that I've seen, it feels like, in a long time, and that's probably because the off season feels like forever. So I had a great time on opening day. I hope you all got to watch the game. If you didn't, I hope that you enjoyed my little discussion, my little summary of the opening day game against the Angels. And let's just real quick, let's throw in a little what's going on around the league, because that that could be fun. Well, when it's like today, it's definitely fun, because guess what? We're tied for first, obviously, when it's the first game and you win, then everyone's tied for first that did win. But the Angels lost, so we're ahead of the Angels. You know who else lost? The Astros. That's right. They lost their first opening day game in like 10 years. So that's kind of cool for us. I mean, it's really, it's more cool for the Mariners, maybe, who are eyeing up that division win, and they also won today. So I know the Mariners are going to be looking, are we going to be able to take the division away from the Astros? For myself, I'd just like to see the Astros lose. So I was excited to see that, and... The Giants also lost. Doesn't really have any impact on the A's when the Giants lose. But kind of nice to see that too, to be honest. So Giants lose, Astros lose, A's win. Really kind of tough to get a better opening day than that, I think. That's, That's probably as good as it can get right now. Well, I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you are as excited for baseball as I am. This just seems like it's going to be a fantastic year. Don't listen to the haters. If you are a hater, don't listen to yourself because you're wrong. <laughs> it's going to be a fun it's going to be a fun season if nothing else. I'm not saying let's go to the World Series. I'd like it, but let's be realistic. How about let's have fun? I think we can do that this year. This seems like a pretty fun team to me. I hope you all had a great week. I hope you have a great weekend. And I will talk to you again on Monday, where I'll talk about the Saturday and Sunday games against the Angels. Thanks for tuning in.